0: Back on the program today is Mark Haywood. Mark is the president and CEO of EDM Resources, a zinc project development and restart focus company that is advancing to operations at its Scotia mine project in Nova Scotia, Canada. The company also has a handful of exploration projects in Nova Scotia. EDM Resources is listed on the Toronto Venture Exchange under the symbol EDM, and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol S-W-N-L-F. Mark, good to have you back for an update.
1: Thank you, Andrew. Great to be back here and again, hosting uh, EDM on your podcast.
0: Yeah, appreciate it, Mark. It's been a while since we've last chatted and there has been Mm -hmm. some progress at the company in spite of some crappy market conditions this year. Let's just kick it off here broadly and let's just get your thoughts on the zinc market here and do you see the current zinc prices that we're seeing in this market? holding up at these levels going into next year. What are you seeing out there? What are you thinking on this zinc market?
1: Well, as you know, the zinc markets had a great performance in late 2021, and that continued until the second quarter of 22. And when the zinc prices were over US $2 a pound. And as you know, since then, the prices together with other commodities have pulled back considerably. As we see it, there's a few factors driving that. The first thing is central banks, aggressively tightening monetary policy to fight inflation, which has increased interest rates. And that's translated into direct falling prices for most assets. And secondly, the reception that we're expecting to have in 2023, even if it's a mild one, all that has driven a flight to safety and extraordinary appreciation of the US in relation to other major currencies. So with that situation, and applying it to the zinc market and of course us, I think that's creating a strengthening of the US dollar and that's the currency that we sell our concentrates. So having mind to our costs being in new Canadian dollars, this current situation is going to benefit EDM in form of increased margins. So we're going to see a softening, I think, of the zinc prices and that's already happened, but an improvement in the US dollar has actually kept the project pretty much on par. And we're doing some more uh, updated internal financials to see how that's impact, but the margins for the project are so robust. I think that's going to still be quite healthy for us.
0: Well, we'll see what happens with this and you know i guess we could be thankful that the zinc price isn't down at a dollar yet so it's a bit counterintuitive with what's going on but there's always that delay and there's always that stupidity period that we're seeing before things i believe go the other direction but let's move into edm specifically here in the status on the scotia mine restart uh first why don't you just give the audience a quick overview of where we are at the company and the immediate focus
1: So the immediate focus has been on, this year in particular, was raising the finance to restart the operation. And we announced that in June of this year, and that's with the Swiss-based commodity trader IXM SA, and they were formerly known as Louis Dreyfus. And that financing package brings the mine to commercial production. And then our shareholders uh, approve that, and the TSX approved that transaction. Since that period of time, essentially the end of August, we've been working on the next steps of our strategy. And the first next step of that is marketing to improve the profile of the company. And so we've engaged um, Bay Street Company to help on that, namely Red Cloud Financial Services, and to promote various aspects of our business in terms of marketing, It's designed to improve our profile in North America and capital markets, including the retail sector. So combined with the marketing uh, drive that we announced previously that we're going to aggressively pursue, that's webinars, uh, podcasts like yours, uh, which are extremely beneficial to getting the word out there to our investors and would-be investors in the company. And then the financing that we need and we included in the credit agreement to essentially provide a contingency to the startup. The last thing we really would like to do is to start the project and then there's a delay in revenue from the project first couple of months of commercial production, so we contemplated uh, raising five million Canadian to put into a an escrow account to hold it there in the event that we might need it and so that's our focus uh, right now, the marketing and then raising that five million also in terms of equity. Now we recognise the markets are, are pretty soft, as you mentioned, Andrew, and we've got to be mindful of that situation. But we're also working with a number of different Bay Street investment banks and other strategic groups about uh, a larger uh, financing, which could be up to $10 million, uh, which would enable us to to cover off more areas and further reduce the risks on the startup. And some of that is the timing. Raising additional capital right now would enable us to advance purchase some key items for the startup plan One of those is the the filter presses, uh, which is essentially a a common technology used to dewater the concentrate. And those filter press plates have roughly a 52 week lead time. So our plan is to pre-order those now before we need them because of that lead time. And then of course, um, there's some other items that we'd like to do in geotech work on the ultimate pit and that uh, requires expenditure at least nine to 12 months before we envisage starting commercial production.
0: Yeah, those lead times are hard to choke down. You're not the only one that's mentioned stuff in excess of a year. It's certainly tough there. And yeah, the impacts are substantial. And then, of course, the cost escalations and, of course, the need to have a, a buffer here because I don't think it's going to get any better. On the financing, just back to that financing mm-hmm. or financings, uh, do you see really this remaining financing on the equity side gets done,
1: let's just call it sometime between now and the next six months? I think with the strength of the project, And our unique capital position, I'm very positive on that. Um, We've already had a lot of indications from would-be investors and insiders to take up a large portion of that. And so I think in the next three to six months, we should square that away. We may do it in a number of different tranches considering the market uh, out there right now, perhaps uh, five now and five in a few months' time. These affect the credit agreement particularly the first five, as I mentioned, is the contingency component behind that. So I think we're in a good position, although the market's not so good. Uh, We've only got 19.9 million shares outstanding. We're very tightly held. We're undervalued in a a marketplace by a fraction of the NAV. So I think that all all indicates this is a a very unique position for this company, for would-be shareholders to be involved in it at this point as we push the short path down to commercial production.
0: So just under 20 million shares outstanding that Mm -hmm. covers off what else do we have on capital structure in terms of where are you guys standing on cash on hand right now and then any key shareholders that are on the roster at this point
1: we have roughly 19.9 million shares and no warrants a small number of options and rsus about 1.4 million so it's very tightly held and it's one of the lowest you can find in any junior mining company on any canadian stock exchange especially for a project that's paid off and as financed to commercial production. So it's a very unique position in terms of the major shareholders. uh, The the most major shareholder, if you like, is uh, FanCamp Exploration. They own just over 14%. And then we have uh, key insiders. So Ashwat Mera and uh, Mick McMullen and those gentlemen own just over 10%. And uh, we have a number of other uh, key shareholders who uh, we're in touch with constantly, uh, very supportive of, of the project, but the share position really hasn't changed over the last uh, two years, in, in essence, so we're just strengthening that role and a lot of shareholders are coming into our our financings, and that's what we expect to happen again in this um, upcoming one.
0: Cover off the debt financing and offtake agreement in a little more detail here for the audience. Uh, maybe for those who haven't read through it yet, Mark and really the key features that make this offtake and debt financing advantageous to facilitate a compelling operation at the Scotia mine?
1: Okay, there's two components to it. Uh, one is the offtake, which is a commercial agreement for the company to supply zinc and lead concentrates uh, produced from the Scotia mine. So that offtake agreement is 100% offtake of zinc and lead concentrates to IXM for an initial period of 10 years. So that would commence immediately on commercial production, which is, as I mentioned, earmarked for uh, next year and specifically sometime in Q4 next year. So this is approximately 317,000 wet metric tons of zinc and about half that in lead. So it's essentially um, all the upside, if you like, is with EDM and of course uh, IXM as the off taker. Those offtake agreements include uh, standard industry payment terms, treatment charges, escalators, and penalty charges. And the first delivery is expected uh, nine to twelve months after the first drawdown, which is indicated to be quarter four of next year. So, if there's any delay in that period, then it's still essentially a nine to twelve months after we draw down. So, part of those offtake terms, they will sustain the company's operation on its own. Very attractive offtake. I think very reasonable in terms of the duration and the relationship that we've developed with IXM is, is pretty strong. Of course, we picked those partners out of a number of different off-takers who proposed to do the same thing on the project. We have, I think, a good relationship with IXM. The second component of that financing is the debt. Um, the debt financing. So we, we put in place a 24 million US debt financing which is sufficient to bring the project to commercial production. That's roughly $31 million Canadian. That financing is done at a very competitive interest rate, which is three-month USD SOFA. And SOFA, as you know, is a secured overnight financing rate. That took over from LIBOR. And so that that rate we have plus 6% is the the standard financing rate. Uh, Very competitive in this marketplace. Although, as we stand, the SOFA is now around about point. 1.8% 1.8% I think it is, which is a considerable increase since when we first looked at this, which is just under 1%. Those numbers are published by the Federal Reserve in New York, and, and we expect those to come down and, uh, as, as the interest rates are corrected going forward. So based on current metal price forecasts and economics of the Scotia mine, we expect that loan uh, with IXN to be re- repaid after approximately 15 months of commercial production. So it's a very short loan anyway, and we believe they're quite good terms.
0: Do you think with you know, assuming the zinc prices uh, remain suitable and maybe you can talk a little bit about price protections there, mm-hmm. do you believe that this offtake has the terms not only to sustain operations, as you mentioned, but provide sufficient excess cash flows for not only exploration on the project as well, which there's upside there, but potentially dividends uh, after things are working well and cash flows are coming in, but dividends to investors?
1: Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. When does this loan finish and what are the margins? This project is very robust. It produces, uh, or the revenue per year in terms of EBITDA is 20 to $40 million per year for 14 years. And the loan is only $31 million equivalent Canadian. So the margins on 15 month payback period are fairly tight, but there is a lot of room in there for contingency and so forth, so we don't expect once we've finished this financing to have to go back to the market again, uh, because the the cash flow is, is very strong. Of course, after we paid back the loan, then the company is receiving the 20 to $40 million per year, year on year for the balance of the 14 years, which would be approximately 12 years. So that produces significant level of non-dilutive revenue for the company to use for exploration, to potentially dividend to our shareholders. And that, I think that was one of the ultimate aims is to provide a dividend once we're in sustained production and once the debt is, of uh, course, cleared off. And that's a short lead time. You know, We're looking at 15 months after commercial production to pay off the loan and be in that very uh, strong position.
0: We've seen some of this with some other Zinc Juniors dividends, yeah. even if it's a small dividend. Titan mining comes to mind, the New York State Empire mine. So, yeah, I think that's interesting. And after the loan's paid off, there's expiration expenses. There'll be G&A. You'll have more staff. But also, maybe there's a potential there to at least start out small with something that could be a dividend there at month 20 or 24, depending on how things go. Talk about the downside for a moment in terms of... Where do things become uneasy for this operation? Is it uh, 70 cents pound zinc? You got gypsum credits in there. Talk about where the downside is, where you start to get uncomfortable in this operation.
1: (laughs) When I first uh, looked at this and we're running the economics, we've realized like a lot of other zinc producers that you've got to have very low cost operations. So the cost, the cash costs uh, for the operation is between 80 and, and 90 cents for the first few years and that's part of the payback you know pay back the loan uh, to the off taker you know we've been looking for a hedging to keep it well above the 90 cent over at least a two-year period of that and so we see that the the first couple of years the zinc price really has to be above 90 cents a pound and we're seeing come down from two dollars down to a dollar 30 currently now so we currently have very good margins and this is very unusual times, but we expect that to come back. And so anything above a dollar is quite good. So in terms of the downside, I'm always looking at the operating on a lowest cost margin. We're playing smart about how we do that in terms of flexibility, about uh, the mining rate, about the throughput. And there's opportunities to increase the throughput and win more mineralization, if you like, from the deposit and certainly from a recovery point of view. In a nutshell i think the downside is we've got to be protected by flexibility of course uh, having that um, capital as i mentioned in terms of financing uh for a, a delay in between the startup and when we're in commercial production every, the trucks are running you know the mills running and we're waiting on uh, the, the first revenue or, or first few months revenue that is it is always in any project the critical period of startup so our plan is to protect that before we start And so our plan is not to start or to delay by a couple of months if the zinc price is low and or forecast to be low or if we don't have the hedging facility in place and that's uh, something that we're working on now with uh, with the off takers
0: walk us through the schedule at this point from now through to commercial operation and you know note some of the critical path tasks along the way that need to get done
1: okay so between now and commercial production, the first thing is the financing for the offtake amount, uh, which is $5 million. That's a contingency, if you like. The second thing is some permitting. We're waiting on uh, a date extension for a southwest mining area from the government. We expect that to have that uh, soon. So certainly, we've received all those indications from uh, the government that's going to take place. Then recruitment. We've recruited a number of different key personnel right now and we're expanding that. We've uh, been engaging with the community. I think that's not something we can talk about in a minute uh, in terms of CSR and ESG component of that. But personnel is the, the next step after we complete that financing. And then the third thing is a number of different contingencies that we have in place, which we incorporated into the credit agreement. And I guess the next thing is the long lead items. Some of those I mentioned, the, the filter presses, geotech work, and then the mine planning. And we, we've done a lot of detailed mine planning already on the project. And we're just uh, doing additional work now to see if there's other opportunities to improve the head grade and to improve the potential throughput. Uh, we're working with our uh, key contractors, SENCO and our geotech teams. Of course, we've got a pretty good technical group on site now. Uh, so that's all going along that timeline. So as I see that timeline involving essentially quarter four this year, raising some or if not not all of the capital we need uh, for that contingency. And then next year beginning the mine production would be a quarter two or quarter three next year. And then commercial production in Q4. Now that's if all, go, all goes well. The market hangs in there or at least uh, doesn't deteriorate more that we can't do a, a startup uh, contingency financing. But if it, it does as we hope, we, we can raise that capital, complete those kitchen precedents, then we expect to be in commercial production in Q4 of next year. and that uh, goes for 14 years and so it's long a mine life with a short lead time and really I, th- I think having the credit agreement in place now gave us a great opportunity to push that forward.
0: A lot of stuff happened in parallel here to get things mm-hmm. going by Q4 or Q24. Mark, you already covered off on lead times. We beat that up a bit already. We know where that's coming in. Most likely the longest lead time item coming out is probably right at one year for equipment. There's probably stuff that's coming in before that that'll be okay. But So 52 weeks or so on uh, longest lead time. Two questions. Are you seeing anything coming up here with respect to, at this point, cost escalations over when the uh, feasibility study was done? and How are you mitigating some of those cost issues that are being experienced across the sector? and then also staffing. You talked about that for a moment, but are you having any troubles picking up skilled staff that actually want to work?
1: The first thing I'm always worried about costs. I guess that's part of my role in this company. Uh, but uh, and as a specifically for the project, we see that definitely there's been increases in steel prices for uh, the equipment suppliers, uh, namely the mining fleet. Also in some of the, the filter plates and filter presses I mentioned, We saw increases in that. I think generally, across the board, we're seeing between 10 to 20% increases associated largely with inflation. So what are we doing to offset that? We're putting those into an updated financial model, which will be an internal model that we're working closely with the offtaker to see the impact of that. As I mentioned before, this is a very robust project. The margins are very good. Even in the first four years, we've sort of got a margin of 20 to 40 cents per pound so our other steps towards mitigation are looking at other ways to improve the head grade uh, to improve the amount of concentrate uh, we can generate from the mine and from the deposit we're looking at uh, other lower cost power opportunities and i think from our previous talks i've mentioned my keenness on developing this into as green a mine as possible and so we're looking into solar and wind and of other sources of power which are generated in green methods. Some of that is compressed natural gas rather than using diesel generators. And I think that would help. We're also looking at um, throughput rates, if we can increase it. We're looking at um, some automation in the plant, uh, whether we can tweak the performance going forward. Uh, that might be part of the ongoing optimization of, of the plant and also course of the mine. The trucks are traditionally diesel powered, so we're looking at changing up to to electric in the future, maybe not the first fleet, uh, but some of these initiatives, I think we can um, work on and over time uh, further improve the operation. As you know from that financial model, after the first few years, our cash cost uh, drops down to around about 40 cents a pound. So. There's a quite a very large margin between the cash cost after year four, I think it is, uh, to a zinc price of over a dollar. So once we get through the first four years, then the margins are enormous. But the first four years is always for any operation is sorting it all out and getting that right mix of uh, operating cost and manning and all the other uh, steps we do in, in associated with uh, operating a world-class operation. Part of that, as I mentioned before, is in terms of the uh, ESG and governance and making sure that this is is indeed a world-class operation. It's a long-term mine life, near-term, low cash costs, as I I mentioned, and it's fully built. So uh, with the debt in place and a little bit more capital needed just to ensure a contingency during startup, I think we're in a great position. In terms of staffing, yes, you would say that staffing of skilled labor can always be a challenge. Fortunately though, we've got an operation uh, nearby us that's just about to close down or at least suspend its operations uh, due because they finished their pit. So we expect a lot of those mining people to want to come and work for us. And we're only 50 kilometers or so away from them. In fact closer to Halifax than they are so I think that's a great opportunity and naturally when an operation of very similar size to us changes their production or closes down or has uh, changes in, in that manner that affects their staffing and and I think that creates an opportunity for us to potentially hire those people
0: that's very useful there to be able to potentially scoop up some staff there coming off of those other projects that are coming to an end um, not a big fan, Mark, if you can avoid the solar and wind at this point. But grid power, hydro, gas, yep. or even the good old diesel generator, at least you know it's gonna yep. work. the wind and yep. solar is, is always just a, mm. a pain in the rear in my view. But I guess if it's economic, go with it. But it's a struggle for yep. me to see that other than doing it to call it green, even though we know it's not green. Yep.
1: That, that is a good <laughs> it's,
0: point. It's a head scratcher. It's a head scratcher. Let's <laughs> put it that way.
1: Yeah, it is a good point, but you know, we're in we're on grid power right now. That's great to be connected to the Nova Scotia grid. Some of that power is being generated a green energy. And essentially, we'd like to tap into them, some of that. That's, uh, I think that's a good idea. Yes, it might be a little bit more expensive, but part of the thrust behind this is actually to reduce the cost. So uh, we wouldn't necessarily do it unless it uh, actually had a, a benefit in terms of the bottom line anyway.
0: That's important. And, uh, you know, the issues and the headaches surrounding maintenance mm-hmm. of, of some of these wind and solar and then the uptime is always an, an issue. And so, you know, okay. good old base load, whether it come diesel, hydro, whatever you got yep. there is, uh, yep. can be much more compelling at this point as the narrative starts to unravel for wind and solar stuff. But is the fleet, is it a new finance fleet, with Komatsu or Caterpillar or what's the... Uh...
1: Exactly. A yeah, brand new fleet. And we've been working with Kat and Komatsu for, I guess, two or three years now. In terms of um, what that means in terms of equipment timing and so forth and so we're, we're working pretty close with those uh, those groups yeah so new fleet lease arrangement
0: yeah they're so competitive now with uh, compared to you know looking at used fleets they're, they're just so competitive coming out of their lease deals or financing deal directly from caterpillar or komatsu i appreciate the highlights on that and your thoughts on this and talk about the local community effort i suspect the community is uh, supportive of this project but talk about the recent uh, effort at the community level just talk about the local folks local government you know are they supportive of this restart
1: in terms of the community we had a community day open day if you like on on saturday that was well attended we had over 30 people uh, coming to the mine and meeting some of our key staff. Uh, I was in attendance and that was a great to meet some of the owners and landowners and interested parties uh, around the mine. Uh, we also had a number of other people who just slightly outside the area that were interested in work, so they attended and met the staff. So I think the community has always been very important to me in terms of engagement and making sure we do that properly. And the timing behind that was that, now the credit agreement in place is, we have a, a very clear idea about when we're going to be in production. Not three years or five years away. You know, we're, we're gearing up to that to do that. So early engagement is important with the community neighbouring the operation or around circulating. It's not. There's not a lot of people, if you like, but it's very important for us to establish a community liaison committee comprised of um, some community representatives. So. We've been receiving applications for that to set that up. Secondly, the local government, I'd say, is very supportive. Uh, this is a near term cash flow operation that is one of the key projects for Nova Scotia. It's benefiting to the community in terms of revenue that, that the concentrate and the wine will produce and put back directly into the community. And in terms of taxes for the Nova Scotia government, royalties uh, and for the federal government of course there's taxes as well so uh, we've received a lot of support we've jumped through a lot of hoops if you like in order to get to this point in order to be permitted and very close to commercial production so i'd say we've received a lot of support Uh, we've also engaged with first nations and let them know that uh, this is uh, this is what we're working on and so i feel that we're in a very good position
0: That's a little bit of a breath of fresh air there. And the good thing about this is it's a restart project and a lot of the stuff has already been cleared and done. And in this region, I think it's also a very important piece for definitely the local community. The federal government probably doesn't care so much, but definitely the tax revenues and the jobs and so forth for the local community and local government in Nova Scotia is probably a nice little thing to have here. Well, to wrap up here, Mark, uh, for potential investors who are listening in, EDM Resources has a market capitalization of about 11 million Canadian. What would Mm -hmm. you say to those who are interested in the EDM opportunity at this
1: stage? The first thing is having a fully permitted mine with a very tight capital structure and trading at 10% of its net is a very unique position. And as a reminder, I would say this is a brownfields permit operation. It's permitted. We have a long mine life, near-term cash flow. We're benefiting from the world-class infrastructure we and on power, we've got water, and of course we're in Nova Scotia, which is, everybody knows is a, a first world jurisdiction. The mine is also financed to commercial production. So this translates into a very solid investment opportunity. And while we don't know how long the current bear market will last, the market always turns and with it, the valuation lag and Delta between EDM's intrinsic value, And its current value is is incredible opportunity. I would go as far as say that at the current levels and having mind where the company is, EDM represents a very strong value proposition and investment opportunity. So to your listeners and to the greater audience, it's time for investors, whether they're retail or institutional, to be involved in EDM in a meaningful way. And that's what I would encourage people to do. Look at the story, look at our website. We're happy to engage further and and really part of the marketing that we expect uh, that to translate into some greater retail and institutional support
0: going forward. And Mark, what's the best way for investors to contact the company?
1: So they can check our website and or email info at edmresources.com. And we're very good at responding back to inquiries. And of course, we're happy to uh, do open days, more open days on site. Uh, but you can reach out to the company pretty easily.
0: Mark, well, we appreciate the update and look forward to seeing this restart at the Scotia mine get underway here soon.
1: Great. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you for your time.